great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just that's where he just after Ooh, ran down. Everybody, amazing. I'm not going to remember any of it. That's good. That's the way to go. All over the Rams today and Ram it. I mean, now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's house? Wow. Ram What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined, as always, I guess not always, last episode he wasn't with me. By my brother and the other great host of this show, Nick. And Nick, I missed you last week. How are you? I'm good. I appreciate you taking the taking the lead and talking to Jordan. I thought that was really insightful. Really enjoyed it. Good. That's good to hear. So what'd you do? You went to the gym, you popped on the podcast like everybody else. You just pretended you were a, a regular fan of Rams Brothers. Why don't you take us into the process? Well, I edited the episode for consumption. <laughs> so um, not very normal. But I made sure to watch it on YouTube, which you all should do because yes. I wanted to get our YouTube views up like a scummy scum that I am. Um, but yeah, I'm doing good. How you doing, Dean? You enjoying I'm March good. Madness? I'm good. I've been enjoying March Madness. I'm, uh, I'm kind of excited that this is a little bit of a down week for the NFL. I think the, uh, the teams, the players, the coaches all have meetings towards the end of this month. But this week specifically, I mean, we're on day five of free agency. Right. So there's a lot of members that were previously Rams that are still kind of sitting out there waiting to be signed, waiting to join their uh, their next franchise and start, you know, on a new contract. And the Rams right now are in a position that is I mean, they've spent the least amount of money throughout the entire league. They're in a, a strange situation when it comes to dead cap. They're in third most in terms of dead cap so far. So, yeah, while the last episode was insightful, I think it also pointed out some some glaring holes for the Rams over the next month that they're going to need to address whether it's for the draft or it's going to be mid season, right? Cause they tend to carry around some cap space throughout the season where they could potentially bring in some players. Um, and I know that this question originated asking about how I am specifically, I guess I'm good, Nick, but I know that there is uh there's almost no downtime in this league. I guess that's my point. So no, I think, uh, I think NFL players and fans right now will probably shift their focus to, um, St. Patrick's Day and March Madness. Um, I would assume those were the two big things over the past weekend. Do you have a you know what I was thinking about though, Nick? I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because the XFL is still going on, right? And I'm thinking to myself with March Madness and pre-draft, oh, the ratings must be plummeting. The ratings right must be plummeting, too. and that's probably something that happens historically with the XFL. Is it's really good for the first three weeks, and then ratings plummet from there on out. But as I mentioned, somebody asked on Twitter. If, um, if we've been watching the XFL, if we've been watching for players in terms of development and to see if there was, you know, potentially guys that you could bring over to the Rams. And no, I don't think we're there yet. I just don't think we're there yet with that league. It's it's kind of hard to judge the talent in the XFL because they're playing again. Like if someone pops, you got to believe right. that right. they're, you know, they're popping because the either the, the defensive scheme that the other guys have set up is just really not working out well, or the player that they're up against, you know, and also it's like the QB play is very mediocre. It's actually very similar to March madness where it kind of is, you know, I, I don't want to be the guy that's like, Oh, well, I, I only watch all pro, 
But you watch a March Madness game and then you watch an NBA game and you're just like, there's just so many missed shots. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 kind of hard to really decipher in that. But I'm going to ask you for a third time. I'm hoping I get an answer. Do you have a bracket? Yeah, I do. I do. I didn't even know that you asked me. I'm sorry that I, I missed your question. I do have a bracket. UCLA is my champion. They're playing Alabama in the final. I have some faith considering they're all still alive. The Sweet 16 will be very telling. I have Tennessee also and Houston. So nice. I have two number two number one seeds, a two and a four in my final four. I like that. So we'll see. If, if you guys have your brackets out there, make sure to share them within the comment section. We want to see how you guys are doing. I also have UCLA, and I went against my alma mater. I had USC exiting the first round. Which I think happened. I had USC winning the first round, and then they ended up losing. Yeah. I just, you know, they were tied at halftime, and I was watching that game. I was just like, they're just not the better team here. It's okay. It was fun. UCLA could be the – yeah, the UCLA could be the premier football program. UCLA could be the California. Yeah. Well, speaking of fun while it lasted, Greg Gaines, Matt Gay, Nick Scott, all gone. No longer LA Rams. Tough one. To, tough to swallow. Um, you take into consideration though that they really, they really had no money. I mean, there was really nothing on the table in terms of of cap space to be able to re-sign some of these guys. Uh, Matt Gay signed the most expensive, largest free agent kicker deal in NFL history of four years, twenty-two and a half million. I mean, he was a cut from the Bucks, and the Rams brought him in uh, for for next to nothing and, and rejuvenated his career. And it's one of the many examples I think of the Rams over the McSneed era over the past six or seven years, where they brought in players into the organization, then have essentially rejuvenated their career, brought them to a separate level, and have essentially earned them another contract, which is really interesting. So Matt yeah, Gay yeah. now falls in that category. I, I feel like that happens kind of a lot with uh, with the mixed need era. Also, just to talk about the former Ram for a second, I saw um, somebody that mixed need gave up on maybe a little bit too early. Brandon Cooks got a bag yeah. in Dallas today. I don't know if it was that they gave up on him too early. I, yeah, he of course he gets a bag. Um, I don't know if it's that they gave up on him too early. I think they just structured that contract so poorly. Yeah, right? it's like yeah. I mean they they backloaded it, and we talked about cash over cap with Jordan. How you put the cash in the front, and you backload it with all this other cap space where it affects you in years three, four, and five, and that was essentially how Brandon Cooks' contract was structured. I would have loved to have kept him there. But, and you know, it's also upsetting considering with Brandon Cooks, how he was moved for first round picks in his first two deals. And then the Rams swapped him for a fifth round pick for, for the Texans, played a couple of years in Houston, wanted out, and now he's in Dallas. And uh, the Dallas also got Stefan Gilmore. So they're at least making some moves. Players that I feel like are a year past their prime, two years past their prime, that's Dallas's MO, though. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, the more I see the moves being made during the offseason, like, Baker to the Bucks, you know, Greg Gaines to the Bucks, uh, you know, the Panthers probably getting the first CJ Stroud or something. I just feel like the NFC is not like if there's a time to strike, you have the Eagles and really that's it. And like the Niners. Niners. Eagles and the Cowboys. Maybe Niners. Yeah, the Cowboys right? may be favorited this year to win the conference. Or maybe not. Maybe it's Eagles or maybe it's Niners. But those are your top three. Like, I mean – it's weird because it's just I I want them to be at a point where they're making you know offensive moves, but it feels like everything that's happening to them is just thank you posts and like people are exiting, and they're not really like resigning or bringing many people back in. Um, when you have the you know the situation where you got Donald Cup at Stafford and 
the NFC is as wide open, I think, as it ever has been. So I don't know. I guess yeah. maybe they still they think they need to sit off another year because that's what that, that's the energy that I'm getting from them. The vibe is that they don't think that they have it this year. What it takes? Well, no. I mean, they don't think that they have it to be able to go compete and win a Super Bowl, but they have it enough to be competitive. I think they're going to be able to field a roster that is competitive enough where they can compete every single week. They're going to score a ton of points offensively, probably give up a ton of points defensively. It's going to be one of the worst defensive schemes, maybe not schemes specifically, but the way that the players, the personnel fill out Raheem's scheme is going to be awfully frustrating, right? So that's that's going to be something that you kind of have to keep an eye on is how does the defense developed? How are some of the kids that we drafted over the last two, three years kind of fit into the mold for the future? I think that's, I mean, it, we put out this tweet a couple of days ago, but I really think that this is the truth. 2021 and 2022, you have to evaluate across the draft class, across the unrestricted or the, the undrafted players, everybody that you have brought into the organization over the past three years, that's still on the roster. You have to then determine if they could play, right? You have to determine if they could play for 2023. And then 2023 is going to be a massive sample size of players who could then you, you could bring along for the new window in 24 yeah. and 25. So I, I don't think that it's, it's necessarily going to be, uh, you know, they're not going to be three and 14. I don't think Sean McVay came back to be three and 14. I think he came back to be competitive in this season and then have the opportunity to then be able to go do similar things to what they did at the end of 2017 and 2018. So that's my hope is that um, they continue to stay competitive. And I know that it's, it's sad and there's a sentiment for every single player that leaves. Like the Packers were, I think the, the one team that was below us in terms of dollars spent so far in free agency and the Matt Orzek contract, which was a former Rams player ended up taking them over, what, what, where the Rams were. So the Rams ended up falling and dead last in terms of money spent this year. But I mean, they're clearly laying out the blueprint. And you know what, Nick? They're dramatic. They go in one direction dramatically. They go, fuck them picks. They do this, they do that. All this crazy stuff to get over the top. And now you're seeing the complete opposite side of the coin where they're they're kind of going low. They're pumping the brakes. They're getting rid of some of their top contracts to then be able to field a more sustainable roster for 24 and 25. So I think yeah. that plan, it's been reiterated a few times by us, by Jordan, by many of the other writers on 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 Twitter, on you know, on social media, wherever it may be. But um, I think that's the plan. I kind of wish as a fan, and maybe, you know, I'd like the curtain wasn't pulled back as much as it is right now. Um, yeah. because I don't know, maybe it's just me being younger and more naive, but you know. Every year, even you know when it was like a Nick Foles starting quarterback year, I would convince myself that there was a point, you know, probably very early on in the season, that there was a point where they could make a run and you know anything could really happen. And you know now we're kind of in this like purgatory placement after winning a Super Bowl and you know post going all in that you're kind of just sitting here and you're like, well, this is it, you know this <laughs> this is what the Rams look like. This is what they yeah, are. Right. So um, here's here's my argument to that is do you really want a, a deeper peek behind the curtain? Like no, you've got a press conference. I'm saying right? I want the, the curtain to be closed. That's you know right. What I mean? saying, yeah. So why if you were look any further into it and they were to kind of wear every single move on their sleeve, I think would be um an example of a of a of a front office of an organization that doesn't know how to keep things in-house. Right. And I think that they'd done a pretty decent job of that, with the exception of a few injuries along the way. The Todd Gurley injury is a really good example. The Jared Goff drama, the Jalen Ramsey drama, you know how there's there's leakages of stories being posted by 
Ramsey's camp by Rams reporters and nothing ever necessarily aligns. So yeah, there's some, you know, maybe, maybe it's, it's how much, you know, I'm just a fearful of like how much deeper could you get behind the, the behind the curtain? Like the more okay, they I tell think, you, the worse, the worse off you really are as a fan. You, you said it, like that. they're very drama centric. Like yeah. that, like that's why for them to lay out a script in front of us, you know, makes me just feel almost like we're, we're entering like a different kind of, you know, we're going past the Nick Snead era and we're going into like 2.0 or something. Um, and it kind of happened last year without anybody really wanting it to happen where it was like, okay, well now we're at this point. And, you know, it was just tough because we we're losing and we're giving our pick immediately to the lions. So we're just helping out another organization. So it wasn't even like we were losing to, you know, come back on top, which is we've seen, so long in the Rams organization before the McSneed era where it was just losing to lose. It felt like, and you're drafting people early, like Tavon Austin, thinking he's going to have an immediate impact and he doesn't. So it's, it's just, it's, it's a weird place to be right now as a Rams fan. It's yeah, I, I even, guess. I guess. even like, no. as like, like post Lakers 2020 championship, they were that organization. And still now, they're delusional enough to think that they're in the position to win. And I guess you want your team to be run a little better, but as a fan, I, know. I, I just, I feel like it's, it still feels substantially better to what it was in the Jeff Fisher era in the, Oh, Oh, Oh yeah. No yeah. Part. In the, um, no I'm trying to remember the other, the other guy. Uh, obviously there was Spagnola. I'm trying to remember of uh, it's Linehan, Scott Linehan when he was there for a couple of years, the Spagnola years, the Greg Williams years, uh, the, as uh, the dude from uh, the coach for McDaniel, Josh McDaniel's years, like I, I couldn't stand any of those coaches. It'll never be that bad to me with the amount of star power that's on the roster. One, even at this point with the remaining three and two, uh, the amount of front office firepower they have between Demoff and Tony Pastors and and, um, and Les Snead and obviously with Sean McVay. So that that foursome, I think, is is so much better in terms of how to build your roster, how to build your culture. Um, you know, how to, how to take a franchise from one city to the next. They all did a really great job of being able to do that on the fly. And um, it felt like in previous years, previous to 2016, 20, 2015, you know, after the Dick Vermeil, Mike Martz era, there was 10 years of this franchise's complete trek. Yeah. Like, even if they do go four and 13 this season, they go five and 12 again, it'll never feel as bad as it felt back in that era towards the end of the St. Louis days. No, no, I don't think so either. Um, to me, it's just, and I know McVay is already talking about how I don't want this retiring thing to be a continuous story that yeah. goes on and on. Um, but, you know, Donald's not getting younger. Stafford's not getting younger. Cup's not getting younger. So you're, you're at the point where those pillars that you previously talked about are, you know, in a position to either get traded or, or, or step down. So it's just that you're entering, like, you know, the sequel era. I guess you yeah. can call it. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's uncertain and it's, it's starting with kind of, you know, a, a bit of, of a, of a lackluster start, but it should be interesting. And also in that crappy St. Louis era, it wasn't as if they, they, they didn't see glory. Yeah. There know? was no expectation. Yeah. Right. There was no Super Bowl. Yeah, but I, I like, still feel like know, I, I saw glory for guys like Chris Long and Robert Quinn you know, there were players on that roster that I, I really kind of fell in love with. James Laurinaitis, Steven Jackson, 
Oh, right, yeah. guys that made it past the Martz and Dick Vermeil era that were still kind of on the roster 20, 2007 to 2015 or so. Yeah, like so hanging around. You know, the Sam Bradford type players. You know, those you actually had some legitimate faith. I remember in Bradford's rookie season, I want to say it was 2008. No, because then I was, a, I was a freshman in high school at that time. I know. I'm trying to put it into where if you were a freshman, would that be 20? I think it was 2000. Yeah, I want to say it was 2011 was the year that they played Charlie Whitehurst in that final game of the season against the Seahawks. They were seven and nine. They were seven, eight and one to end the season. And they were trying to get into the playoffs. So they would have beat Charlie Whitehurst and the Seahawks. Then they would have gotten there. And I think it was, I want, I, I got to figure out what year it was. Hold on. 2011 Rams season. No, I think it was earlier. Yeah. They were two and 14 in 2011. You're right. It was, oh wait, it was, his, it was Bradford's rookie season. It was my freshman year in high school. Yeah, seven. Yeah, I think it was the game was played in seven, but it was oh, or I mean the game was playing eight, but it was oh seven. I think it was the nine two thousand and nine season. No, they were one in fifteen. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. They were so bad, so long. Two thousand and ten Ram season. They were seven and nine. So this is the season. There it was it is. Twenty. It was the right middle. We were close. We were close. Yeah. Yeah. A, a Bolger was released by the Rams on April fifth of twenty ten. That season, weird. Was, was Bolger still on the roster when they drafted Sam Bradford? I think they drafted Bradford in eleven. I guess so. Sam Bradford, draft year, was a nine. Nine. Yeah, so that makes well, sense. They, probably, they released yeah. they released Bolger the next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a pretty interesting piece of Rams' history. Is um, you know, you felt like you had some faith with some of those guys. I think that season specifically, I felt like the the next year they were going to be able to take a leap and maybe find themselves in the playoffs for the first time in ten seasons. And uh, what do you know? It doesn't happen for the next seven years. They didn't get back till twenty seventeen. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think uh, I think what you have to do is you kind of have to look at the next the next level of everything, right? You're talking about a a sequel, a two point um, you got guys like Ashawn Robinson talking to the Giants. You got guys like Leonard Floyd that are still out there that we released. Taylor Rapp talking to the Patriots. Brandon Powell, David Edwards, Riley Dixon, Matsukura, Odea Boshi, Ty Naseki, Traven Howard, Malcolm Brown, Troy Hill, all still floating out there. Uh, but I think that the shift has to happen in terms of where to put their focus. And it's it's defense, right? Because you already have all 11 starters penciled in on offense. Outside of the offensive line, hopefully there's a clean bill of health all throughout the rest of the offseason, into OTAs, into training camp. And I think Joe Nopum and and obviously Brian Allen are the two that we're going to have to monitor. So the offense is fine. When you take that in consideration, maybe you don't spend a lot of draft capital on offense in the first three, four, five rounds, right? Maybe a focus specifically on defense. They've already lost five of their six top defenders in terms of snap count from, snap counts from last season. And uh, Taylor Rapp and Troy Hill leaving would be uh, seven of the top eight snap counts are off of your roster. Talk wow. about how they have 8.4 million in 2023 cap space. They're going to need anywhere from seven to 10 million to sign that draft class in 2023 coming up at the end of April. And they're currently carrying, we talked about 52.7 million in dead money, uh, according to over the cap. And then next year, setting themselves up for 60 million, at least in cap space for 2024. But I think that the priority has to be defense. Like you look around the league. I don't know if there's ever been a team that has lost this many defensive starters in one single season. Like I was, I was listening to Howie Roseman on the radio talk about how they're going to prioritize offense 
Uh, and that's kind of a similar approach to the, what the Rams took, right? We're going to prioritize offense. We're going to let a lot of our defenders walk. You saw uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson get a deal with the Lions today. Darius Slay was released, and then he was brought back. James Bradbury signed a three-year deal. Like there are, um, when it comes to the Eagles, they uh, they signed Fletcher Cox. They re-signed Jason Kelsey. Like they they essentially did everything that they possibly could to stay competitive for that that next year. And maybe you're going to yeah, see they, they the same. Yeah, you keep the core the same. Similar ramifications as to what happened to the Rams after they won the Super Bowl. So it's try so, to so hard to get back when you play that many games. You start the season a little more fatigued than everybody else. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you just went a lot longer. Also, it's just if I'm the Eagles and I just was in the Super Bowl and my defense is what cost me the game, that's a hundred percent what I will be going after. Especially like you'll be fine getting out of the NFC, I would think. So you're at the point where you just want to be able to stop whatever AFC opponent is going to, you know, come at you. If you get that far, I would be going after defense. And I agree. I think the Rams were like right now, like what we have on the tape, I'd like, I don't think we need a show stopping running back, like maybe one more receiver weapon, but nobody mm-hmm. is going to break the bank. Yeah. I don't even, I mean, maybe those are guys you get later in, in the rounds, right. In or maybe you just round. try to develop the new tight end kid. And yeah the receivers that we have and you know you just hope for like a, a healthy season yeah i mean you still have lance mccutcheon you still have tutu atwell you still have van jefferson you still have benny skoranek right all these guys surrounding cooper cup you still have Alan robinson right you still have tyler higby who they who jordan was talking about potentially keeping around yeah Alan yeah. robinson maybe you keep Alan robinson around maybe you keep tyler higby around like you have your offense is set like you're really kind of set to go offensively with the exception of a couple of final pieces for the offensive line. But the defense is a completely different story. I mean, you're yeah. going to lose the, nine of 11 starters on the defensive side of the ball. You're going to need to figure out a way to replace the edge, the defensive line, and the defensive backs. Like, obviously, you drafted two defensive backs in Darion Kendrick and Kobe Durant last year. Drafted two safeties as well. So maybe you kind of pump the brakes on defensive backs in general. Hopefully that those four kids can come out and play a little bit next year and show that they were worthwhile of the draft pick. But I think my biggest focus is edge and interior defensive tackle. Interior defensive linemen who can rush the passer that are big enough to play a little bit, clog the A-gap, can play nose tackle, can compliment Aaron Donald, take attention away from him. I think that should be our main focus is just put all of your resources in the first two, three rounds into executing on draft picks for interior defense alignment and edge rushers because the Rams are a completely different team when they have they have a pass rush. Yeah. They're, you know, when they have a, a power and speed combo coming around the edge, you can have a rotation of guys, right? You got the Von Miller and Oboe rotation. You got the Leonard Floyd and um, who else was coming around the edge in that Super Bowl season? I wanted to say Michael Hoyt, but it's not the truth. There was another guy who was coming around the edge who was in rotation with Leonard Floyd, but they had four legitimate edge rushers and interior defense alignment, Greg Gaines, Ashawn Robinson, Aaron Donald, Marquise Copeland, Jonah Williams, rotations of players. And Les Snead previously talked about how we want, you know, B minus C plus players, even an A minus player to surround Aaron Donald. So that's what I started looking at. I started looking at edge rushers and interior defense alignment that I feel like could complement Aaron Donald. So I'm going to go down the list, Nick. And then I think in future episodes, we can kind of come prepared with like a big board. 
I just kind of follow and see if they will track it. If they visited with the Rams, if they scored highly in terms of RAS scores at the combine, if they're trending towards potentially drafting that player, if they've gone to a school that any of the new coaches they brought in. So there's a yeah. connection there, something that you could kind of, you know, try to get a leg up on. So the first guy, and this is somebody that's been mocked consistently in Rams mock drafts by Jordan, by I know Blaine just put out an awesome piece for Turf Show Times. Will McDonald of Iowa State. He led all of college football with 81 pressures last season. He's only 243 pounds, so he's more of that you know complement speed guy. Maybe he's not a he's one of the more talented edge rushers. If the Rams were to add him right away, he'd be one of the more talented edge rushers on the roster. And I don't think he's going to have an issue due to his size. He um, can clearly get to the quarterback uh, as he's led all of college football with 81 pressures last season. So I'm impressed by him. There's another kid, Andre Carter. From Army, he may fall a little bit later, but he's absolutely massive, like just a dominant force coming around the edge. He showed on tape that he's nearly unblockable playing at that skill level, and it would be the Army's highest drafted player since 1947. Wow, so two guys, Will McDonald. Wow. So, so he's Carter. probably not high on other people's draft board. Well, that's I what think. I tried to find. I'm not trying to find the best prospects. So yeah, I should have right. prefaced it with that. I'm not trying to find top, top prospects. I'm trying to find players that I think are likely to fall to 36. Realistic. Yeah. 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 Realistic mm-hmm. options. Yeah. There's another kid, Nolan Smith from Georgia. It's another speed compliment to somebody like Daniel Hardy. He's 6'3", 235, coming around the edge. He's a lightning rod. And we love players from Georgia, don't we? I think we all do. Yeah, Colby Wooden, on. Auburn. He's a day two pick, absolute monster of a freshman, has the size at 6'5", 278 coming around the edge. I'm going either either of which way, and I think I may draft two edge rushers in this draft. I think I'm going to go speed and I'm going to go power. I want somebody that's big, that's physical, that can come in and, and own a big chunk of the defensive snaps coming around the edge, and then I want somebody who could be a complement to that player, You know, particularly if you could put two guys on the same side and just train them in tandem to be that speed power complement to one another, I think you're going to have a lot of success kind of with Eric Henderson kind of home grooming those type of players, bringing them in the building and making sure that they're ready to go for 23 and 24. So those are my four names, five names right now. It's Will McDonald, Andre Carter, four names, Nolan Smith and Colby Wooden. So you got Iowa state army, Georgia and Auburn as my four that I'm highlighting for right now. This is going to change a little bit as we go. But those are my four guys uh, as edge rushers. And then interior defensive line. I got a little bit crazy with this, Nick. Wait, okay. as, as before we go out. into D-line, I just want to yeah, yeah. I just want to kind of ask you something and like get your kind of sense of, of the scope of the draft. If they go offensive player, offensive player, are you like, is that seen in your eyes as like abysmal? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't want to like totally lose my mind on day two of, of draft night, but if they go running back and they go receiver, yeah. to me, nothing that we've talked about over the past two months makes any sense. Whatsoever. I agree. I agree a hundred percent, but that is my worry that that is exactly what they'll do. If you look at their track record and I know they're entering into that sequel area era that we're talking about, but if you fall back into that, oh, this kid's explosive and we got to get him on on the Sean McVay offense. I think you're actually at a point where you got to start thinking about less need. What are you doing? Sure, sure. No, Honestly. totally get that. Well, I mean, I think like if you take somebody 
you know, like a Tutu Atwell or so, you know, somebody in that category, like a Tank Dell. Um, he's not going to fall that far. I'm trying to think of other players. There was a kid from, I think, Clemson that's really tiny that could fall into the sixth or seventh round that I think a couple of people had mocked for the Rams. That's not the kind of player that I would want. Um, but taking into consideration the special teams unit, right? If, if it's a guy that can get down on the hands team, if he's a surefire on offensive, offensive um, onside kicks, if he's yeah, good on the punt return, like that's all defense. I really care about, you know? Yeah. If, yeah. if, I, if I'm going to get somebody in the seventh round and he's going to be a receiver, Nick, my point is I want him to be a really, really good special teams player. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, like I, I don't that. expect that, that kid to be a starter ever, right? With high upside, you could develop him into a starter, you know, once some of your, your better players leave, you know, the, what kind of the way that they develop Ben Skronik, seventh mm-hmm. round pick, special teams to eventual starter. Who I, who honestly, in my opinion, is still developing. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think um, the offensive side of the ball, is, it's not even something that I want to focus on outside oh, of the yeah, fact that I probably need offensive line, running I back, agree. kicker, a quarterback, right? But yeah. it's not even something that I want to spend a lot of time on for right now. And we will. We'll eventually get to it. But for yeah. right now, I want to focus on edge rushers and interior defense alignment. So these first two, first three guys really listed here are all guys that I think it would kind of be a pipe dream if they fell into the second round. I think the Rams would be in a really good position if they were able to scoop up either of these three players early on. Uh, there's Bright, there's Byron Young from Alabama. Um, there's Aaron Donald's little brother, Kalija Kansi from Pittsburgh. There's Jalen hmm. Carter from Georgia. And then there's uh, this guy I think could potentially slip a little bit further, even past the second round. There's Jervon Dexter from Florida. He's, this is what I, you know, going back to the Jeff Fisher-isms, they have less Sneed-isms and Fisher-isms. This guy had a lot of ass. You know, we want guys with massive bases. And something Daniel Jeremiah talked about uh, with Jordan Davis last season. And you want these interior defensive players that can rush the passer and can simultaneously clog gaps. You need a Greg Gaines and an Ashawn Robinson replacement. Otherwise teams are going to be able to pound the rock through the gaps on you. And it's going to be something really frustrating to defend against because you also can't rush the passer. So there's Jerevon Dexter from Florida, who I like. I like Saki Ika from Baylor. He's a six foot four, 350 pound nose tackle had 33 pressures last season as a nose tackle. I, I like that kind of kid. That's who I want on my team. There's Jared Clark from Coastal Carolina. He was a converted tight end. I think the Rams did this with David Edwards. David Edwards was a converted tight end, and they converted him to left guard. So this is somebody that I really see there being a high chance of the Rams drafting a player like this, and you take into consideration that he can play special teams a little bit too. He's got a crazy wingspan. Jordan mentioned him in her mock draft. Uh, He's really good as a nose pit tackle and a penetration defender. And, you know, it's, it's true. She wrote this in her article, is that, you're going to have to find some type of replacement for Aaron Donald if he does leave, right? There's going to need to be a a complement of guys, whether it's three, four players that can kind of encapsulate the same type of level of performance as Aaron Donald does. Although it'll, you'll be trying to replace it for the rest of your NFL career as a coach. But um, you got to kind of start thinking like that. You got to think, can I bring in another Gaines, another Robinson? Can I bring in another Nadamdikin Sue? Can I bring in another, Dante Fowler, like I'm trying to think of other guys that the Rams haven't necessarily drafted, but have brought in guys that you can kind of draft after in terms of the way that they performed in the NFL and how they were prospects coming up. So ah, those are my two big positions. I want them to focus all of their attention on those two positions to start. 
Yeah, yeah. And, like, I don't know. You think about what Snead has done outside of the trading of the picks, which, you know, and brought in all that talent for right now, which is very important and, you know, was part of the reason why they were so great. But last, like, couple years, you know, outside of Donald and Cup, I'm not, you know, like off the top of my head, I'm, I can't really think of that many great prospects. I can think of a lot of misses, honestly, like, yeah. like a lot of misses. So, you know, this is the, this is the nut up or shut up time. And well, that's why I love guys like, uh, like Nick Scott, right? Nick why, Scott was, is a good example. Of yeah. That. And that's why I love guys like Ben Skoranek because they're seventh round picks. They're guys that you have no expectation for and have eventually developed to become starters. Yeah. Skoranek. I just don't like, do you think he's a starter outside the Rams right now? I don't know. I don't necessarily know if that matters either, you know? And, I, yeah, and I even guess if right he's now, not in the starting rotation for the Rams, because the Rams probably go Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and uh, and Tutu Atwell if they're yeah. in 11 personnel. But if they're running the ball in 11 personnel, you know, there's Ben Skronik rotating in. Depends on the sub package, right? So yeah. uh, I they, they like, like, I, I just don't know if you can cite Ben Skronik as like a great less need draft. Well, no, he's an example of a guy that was uh, was a late round draft pick and eventually became to to start. And I, yeah. you know, Nick Scott that, is, That's what I'm trying to was the good lead. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure great out lead. this year is um, how do you how do you develop players that have been sitting around within the organization, guys like Ben Skronik, guys like Nick Scott, guys that are late round picks. And, and kind of follow the template that you've used to develop kids like Greg Gaines or David Edwards or some of your fifth, sixth round picks that you didn't expect them to really to be much, but they were supplemental contributions to the, the Super Bowl run. And I think yeah. that's kind of the window you're trying to rebuild towards. So if you could find all of those pieces that support the core, um, you know, the core isn't all that hard to, to, to fill out. So. And I will say this, you know, Drafting now is definitely going to be like June or May or whenever it is. Um, like it's going to be a lot more interesting. It's going to be more fun to kind of be, you know, at the forefront of it and figuring out who these guys are and kind of like knowing who they are before, as opposed to just, you know, trading our picks away and bringing in proven people like Ramsey and Stafford. Oh, so, yeah. It's more fun to be on the other side for sure. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it is definitely a relief to not be in Denver right now and them kind of echoing what we did where they just signed like everybody that, you know, they brought in uh, the uh, freaking Sean Payton, Kevin James um, just completely changing the game. So, and, and, and it feels like the pressure's on right now to make a giant impact. So, you know, it's two sides of the coin, you know, because we've been there. And, and then earlier I was saying, well, I don't want to know if we're not going for it. But then on the other side, it's like, there is, a, a, a sigh of relief knowing that we're like, we're not trading everything and like reaching this insurmountable mountain. Yeah. I mean, I don't, don't want to be around for uh, when Snead and McVay are gone and Donald's gone and cups gone. Cause I feel like that's the Rams right now. That is a representation of the Los Angeles Rams. And when they're all gone, we're all going to be in Mexico. We're all, going to, Can- here. We're all going to Cancun. I'm not going anywhere. I know. I'm just, it's, I know what you mean. Oh yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Um, I think that's all we got. Yeah. Anything else you want to close this out with anything? 
Uh, just one more thing about Aaron Rodgers. I just want to hear one more thing about him. Um, what about it? I want to hear your take on the whole going on Pat, Pat McAfee, not complaining about the Packers, and then proceeding to complain about them and say, well, the deal should be done, but they're the only team that really wants me. I don't, uh, I don't find any like amusement in entertaining myself with like overwhelming amounts of drama. I think that the, the darkness is very, very weird. Like the whole darkness retreat is really strange. Um, but I think there's, there's some realness in having to like be a real person and make a real life decision and contemplating retirement and moving on from your career. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it's how he likes to do things. I don't I don't feel like I really don't have an opinion on him because he's such a strange dude. Hey, I mean, I, I can't relate to somebody that doesn't talk to their family. I literally do a podcast with my brother. Yeah. That's so a good point. I mean, I him and I probably couldn't be any different. Yeah. That's um, funny because I feel like I just relate to him so much. You know what I mean? I how? <laughs> I'm kidding. He just, he, <laughs> I, he just wants to make the the only thing that it, it that it feels like if you do want a camera on your face like if you're looking for that like he's almost he has like influencer energy you know it's like oh, yeah, he's I, very compelling i definitely listen to him when he speaks I mean, yeah like i need to like i'm talking people listen to me and i'm going to you know lay it out for you and it's not going to be the the correct media way but that's how but but this is the truth it's all just very interesting to me and it's it's been giving me a lot of great content. So he's, in a, he's in a really good generation where he could do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's almost did that like, in other ways in the past. Like, um, like Randall Cunningham went on a cruise in the middle of the season in the mid nineties or, or late or early nineties, late eighties. And like, he was kind of really boisterous and it was something that was kind of behind the curtain because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't made of news. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't on a podcast. You know, Joe Namath going all the way back to him wearing his his jackets on the sideline. Or you look at the the quarterback for the Bears. His name's escaping me right now. The guy always wore the sunglasses. Um, McMahon, yeah. right? I mean, those are those are all guys that um, probably would have done great in the podcast era, in the media era. All guys that like attention. Um, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers is just a beneficiary of somebody who's grown up in this generation and. You know, has four hundred and thirty thousand people watching his every move. So yeah. it's cool. I'd rather watch him play golf and talk shit to Patrick Mahomes. I loved that. Yeah. I definitely want some more of that. Yeah, I'm good with that. Cool. Cool. I think we're good. Thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate you guys listening. As always, make sure you like and comment and subscribe. Join like, comment, subscribe, bet online, live betting, free contests, giveaways all season long. Always the fastest, easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BLEAB to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Good stuff. Thank you, my brother. Thanks, guys. Take care. Horns Appreciate up. you guys listening. Go Rams. Peace. Peace.